What do you love about missions? You know, I love that we get to have the opportunity to partner with people all over the world. Uh, we have our responsibility here in the U.S. to share Christ with our neighbors. Right. But this is our missions giving is one of the ways that for some of us who can't travel, that we can participate in uh, missions throughout the world. And so it's really fun to see missionaries like Keila, who was here last weekend, uh, be able to take that money that we earn from our, from our work and to be able to m- use it to minister to people around the world. Yeah, isn't it neat how... Uh giving gets you included in all kinds yeah. of things. And so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, today is a, uh, we have a pastor who had died a week and a half ago in Australia, uh, Pastor Gerard, where you'll be praying for them as well. Uh, it's, it's our, our leader there's name is Max and it's really rattled Max mm-hmm. to lose such a close associate and friend. Our churches in Burkina Faso are being persecuted every weekend. Now it seems another uh, church gets yeah. torn down or somebody killed. And so we're right in the middle of the worldwide fight. And we're up here in Alaska, but we're we're right in the midst of the battle. And I like it. I tell you what, I, I think it is a delight to serve the Lord in this way. It seems that uh, our church has been growing with millennials. And uh, we're so thankful for our, if you're a young adult, a millennial type, thank you for coming. We have noticed, however, that the millennials want to receive the missions offering, not give it. And so uh, we would like to encourage everybody today to be part of uh, missions. If we have our dream, we give $35,000 a month to missions. That's our dream. And so that requires a lot of us to do our very best every weekend. So would the ushers please prepare for our missionary offering? Uh, Brian, as we pray for the missionary offering, uh, Franklin Graham has asked us to pray for America today. And so I will uh, uh, pray over that. If you'll pray over the missions offering, I'll follow right after you. Okay. Father, we thank you for the, um, all of the missionaries who serve faithfully throughout the world. Lord, we thank you for uh, Pastor uh, um, uh, Max and his team in Australia. Lord, we pray that you'll lift their arms up today. God, they're mourning the loss of their, their this, this top-notch uh, Bur- uh, uh, Aboriginal brother. Right. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'll strengthen Max, give him give him hope, give him peace, God, in this time. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up new workers in Australia. Uh, yeah. The field is always needing new workers. And so, God, we just pray that you'll uh, put on a calling on people, uh, other Aboriginals, to, to take that place of this, this pastor who passed away. Father, we pray for our pastor in uh, Burkina Faso, God. Be with him. Strengthen him, Lord. Lord, we pray for all of the other missionaries who are giving supports today. Lord, we pray if they're discouraged today that you'll encourage yeah. them. Put on people in our church's heart to write them a letter, to send them an email, an encouraging uh, message, however it might be, God. And Lord, we pray for uh, the missionaries from our church who just went out this week for uh, Sharon, God, as she's going over to Belgium. Lord, we pray that you'll strengthen her. Thank you for all of the, the faithfulness of giving in our church, Lord. And we pray that you'll put on people's hearts, uh, missionaries, uh, different ministries that they need to support. In your name we pray. Lord, I also pray for the United States today. We thank you for a call of prayer. I think the two most strategic leaders in the U.S. today are uh, President Trump and Nancy Pelosi. They seem to be the main uh, kind of shakers and movers in the political realm. Uh, We ask God that you would be with our leadership today. We ask that you would give them wisdom beyond natural things. We pray uh, according to the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom will come, thy will will be done in the United States of America. We thank you for Alaska leadership. Uh, Gabrielle Ledoux in the house today. Thank you for her service to our state. And Lance Pruitt, part of MCA, thank you for his service. Today we pray for our country. We ask God that you would really... 
I'm not really about Republican or Democrat. I'm about revival. Turn America back to you, O God. Bring us with a heart for Christ. And may we be known among the nations as a righteous people. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give your missionary offerings today. Let's see, we had a great wedding yesterday. Uh, Bryant and Megan Green were wed and uh, just a beautiful service. Uh, Howard uh, officiated, so congratulations to all the people involved in uh, that beautiful wedding. And uh, uh, let's see, let's do a couple of comedy things here. Uh, we're going to talk about the body today, all right? So uh, a lot of people aren't always dialed in on their bodies, and I've been reading a lot about body shaming and uh, these kinds of things, and I was going to have you stand and tell everybody that you bumped into, I like your body, and uh, uh, how about you just don't say it to anybody, just say it out loud, you ready? One, two, three, I like your body, and then I'll explain why I want you to say that today, because... Uh, I think the culture kind of is anti-body, actually, but Jesus is pro-body, and uh, so I got a couple cartoons about the body, all right? This one cracks me up. The doctor is talking to the reticent patient. What fits your busy schedule better, exercising one hour a day or being dead 24 hours a day? And so, uh, you know, it's like, well, I don't have any time to work out. How about this cat? My favorite exercise is a cross between a lunge and a crunch. It's called lunch. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. And then this one, the human body is made up of over 60% water. That means I'm not fat. I'm just flooded. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, as we study the Bible today, we ask you to give us insight. I pray that by the end of the talk today, we will be motivated to a greater discipline and control of our body. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason we're talking about the body today is because we are in a series, Becoming People of Fully Realized Potential. Becoming People of Fully Realized Potential. Uh, it's not a news flash, but there's only one place you can have fully realized potential. It's in your body. You have no potential outside your body. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's that's This is where it happens. And so uh, we become people of fully realized potential in and through our bodies. In and through our bodies. I am me. That's that first uh, uh, sentence in that second line. I am me. I, I, I think that there's some... Uh, Christian theology that sort of diminishes the role of the body rather than encourages the role of the body. And that would be when you take the scriptural teaching, spirit, soul, and body, and separate them out into different things. And, uh, and you know, you, you are you. Somebody said it this way, I am a spirit who has a soul and I live in a body. Isn't that cute? But it's wrong. I mean, it's not actually wrong, but it's not actually right either. You're you. I am me. And so the way I say it is that God created us as a three-part unity. You're a three-part unity. And it's always in this order, by the way, in the New Testament, spirit, soul, and body. And so without my spirit, I'm not fully me. 
And without my soul, I'm not fully me. And without my body, I'm not fully me. And so I am me. That's why the line, I am me. Uh, uh, Kent is 5'11 and 3 quarters, 100 and something pounds. Don't know, haven't weighed in a long time. Let's, uh, let's go low, you know, 180 pounds or whatever. Uh, uh, I have this color hair. I have these kinds of fingers. I think this way. I, I, uh, have these capacities. I live in, this is me. Uh, and without, without the body, I'm not really me. And, and so for some reason in God's human trinity, the Christian's body is often mistreated abused and neglected, even while special care is given to the soul and the spirit. And so the Christian body, for some particular reason, uh, is sometimes neglected or underappreciated or mistreated. I like Dr. Amen. I don't know if you've seen him on television. Dr. A-M-E-N, looks like a man, Dr. Amen. He is the one of the world's leading neurologists. Uh, he is the doctor that led the NFL uh, brain scan. Uh, he's read uh, sixty thousand brain scans, and uh, he's just—he's a great—he's a great Christian guy. And uh, he goes to Rick Warren's church down there in California, and he said he had—he had him. He, Rick had Dr. Amon preach. And he goes, Rick, I can hardly come into this church. He said, because when I come into this church, I walk by all the donuts and the hot dogs that you serve, which are killing the Christian brain. And, uh, and, uh, and so like, uh, I was thinking today, I wanted to have a, I didn't have time to do it. I want to have a little bag of blueberries for everybody, uh, because blueberries are considered the best food on the planet for your brain. And uh, Angie said in the second row here, she's a blueberry picker. And if you want to pick blueberries, see Angie. She knows where every blueberry is by name. And uh, uh, but uh, really, uh, I struggle with this. So so why you go out to eat and uh, and you're alcoholic? And do I buy you alcohol? Is it morally right for me to buy you alcohol when you struggle with alcoholism? Uh, no, I don't think so. I never have anyways. I've never bought an alcoholic, a, an alcoholic beverage. But let's say you have diabetes and you want to buy a stack of pancakes. If it's not morally right for me to buy the alcohol for the alcoholic, why is it considered morally right for me to buy the pancakes for the diabetic? Okay, you're not going to like this sermon, evidently, looking at your faces right there. But uh, uh, I do think what I'm, one of the things I'm suggesting is that you are you and your body is part of who you are. And, uh, and neither the soul, spirit, or body is more important than the other. Neither one is more important than the other. We tend to think... Well, I'm a great Christian. I just haven't taken care of my body. And uh, I am guilty of this. For many years, I abused my body with stress and overworking. Uh, I would say maybe 40 years of my life, between 30 and 40 years of my life, I just sort of, I thought that uh, I had more to do and I had to do it more quickly than my body could handle. And I really treated my body as if it were not important, as if it were not something that uh, matters. 
So for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from Paul's prayer here in 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, it says, for God to sanctify you completely. His first prayer, or in this passage, his prayer is that God will sanctify you completely. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. And so when we come to church, we really want to sanctify your spirit. We want you to be more pure, right? We want you to, to be more moral, more righteous, which is important. But Paul throws in, your body needs to be completely sanctified as well. So the body and soul and spirit are not of different values in this illustration. His second prayer is that your whole spirit and soul and body will be kept blameless. And so I have to ask myself, am I seeking to live a blameless life in my body? Am I, am I living a blameless life with this, uh, this body that I have? And, and so I think it's a super important conversation for us to have about my full potential is going to happen in and through my body. Here's a line that uh, really is powerful in my thinking at least. The night cometh when no man can work. The, Jesus said that. The night cometh when no man can work. What I think that means, I think it means someday I'm going to be dead. And all the work I ever got out of this body will be done. All the loving I ever got out of this body will be loved. All the thinking I ever get out of this body will be finished. And, uh, uh, you know, my, my grandson spent the night last night, and I uh, woke up this morning, and these little kids wake up early. My goodness. I'm thinking, is NyQuil legal for kids? But anyways... Uh, uh, speaking of alcohol, but uh, uh, nonetheless, I I just was thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm going to live to the night because I know what I'm talking about today. I don't know if I'll be here this afternoon. I'm sure planning to be. I'm planning to be here a lot of afternoons. But the night cometh when every ounce of joy, every ounce of meaningfulness, every ounce of uh, participation will be finished for me in this body. And uh, I would like to say, God, is there any way for me to to get a little bit more effectiveness out of this body? And maybe the human body is like a vehicle. And by that, I mean it's possible that you're only going to get a million miles on that body. And if you're only going to get a million miles on that body then uh, maybe there's a way that we can uh, add uh, quality into that million miles. We can live in such a way as to extend the effectiveness that we can get out of this body that God has given to us. That we might come to the end of our journey blameless in the body. Praise God. It's really a cool thing. Blameless in the body. Now, I'm I have a little illustration of this. Uh, three years ago or so, a uh, little more than three years ago, I was uh, praying about all you all who have 
addictions, you know, all you guys with these bad addictions, addictions to porn and addictions to alcohol and addictions to marijuana and addictions to diet coke, you know, all these addictions people have. And I said, God, I wish you would help our people quit. And it's like the Lord told me, well, it's hard. I go, well, I know it's hard to quit, but they have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit today, say I. Okay, so quit, right? Right? And he says to me, well, so do you. I said, I know. I don't do porn. I don't do marijuana. I don't do alcohol. He says, but you do sugar. Well, this was not encouraging. I'm thinking, is there another Holy Spirit that can talk to me? And uh, uh, I am three and a half years sugar-free, really, except for my daughter's wedding. I cheated. And uh, it was funny because I haven't had sugar for a long time, any kind of sugar. And uh, I don't eat bread. I don't eat uh, things that turn to sugar right away. And uh, and so I went to the cake table at my daughter's wedding and Castle said, what slice would you say? Like I said, one of each because, <laughs> hey, I'm doing sugar. I'm going all the way. So I went home. I had bread and all this. And uh, uh, I'm not suggesting anybody else go sugar free. I'm suggesting that what God spoke to me was uh, that I would do this, and I need to be blameless in that. I need to be completely sanctified in that. In 1973, people opposed to God's total integration of spirit and soul and body won their day in the Supreme Court of the United States in Roe versus Wade. R.V. Wade, it's called. And so people opposed to... 1 Thessalonians 5.23 won the day. And Paul said, may your whole spirit, your whole body, uh, your whole soul, and your whole body be sanctified. So what happened in 1973 is the Supreme Court made, in my estimation, the worst decision in the history of the United States. And so, uh, to me, it is a terrible decision. And here's, how, here's what the decision said. The, they had to decide, uh, is that person, uh, Howard or Brian, can you get me another marker pen? Uh, uh, this is an important part of my teaching here. Uh, sorry about that. Can you read that at all? It says human. And uh, we'll be getting a new pin quickly. So they had to decide, is that cell in the woman's body, is it human? And what did they vote? Yes, that is a human. However, they voted, that is not a person. And so the Supreme Court of the United States made a decision, in my estimation, that is the worst decision in the history of the United States of America. And that is, they made a two-tier existence between human and person. And as this gets lived out, it says even that even the baby in the womb is human, it is not a person. You already are in trouble biblically when you call a person it. A person is not an it. A person is a person. And biblical theology is that everything human is person. 
Everything human is person, according to the Bible. But according to uh, 1973 legal opinion, there's a difference between a human and a person. This is why many of you have to fight to keep your uh, loved one alive when some committee somewhere meets and says, you know, your relative only has this many brain waves. Your relative only has uh, this many kind of brain waves. And so we voted that this many brain waves means you're no longer a person. We voted that two cells in a womb is not a person. We voted that, but brothers and sisters, this uh, two-tiered world is not uh, in the Bible in any way that I, I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. Well, then this spins out into other weird things. Like, uh, maybe you've seen this quite a bit. Uh, I have a sex, but that is different than my gender. And so when you bump into it in your life, you hear all people trying to talk about, you know what, my, my, uh, my sex is male, but my gender is whatever I vote it to be. Because 1973 created a two-tiered world in the United States that was a difference between human and person, between sex and gender. And it goes on and on. I'm not here to talk about that today as much as to say they created for the first time a human non-person. A human non-person. And, uh, you know, I would like to, I would like to someday stand in front of the, that Supreme Court and just ask them who gave you the right to change the way that God created humans and persons as an integrated whole. So I opened with, I am me. I am me. If I have no brain waves, I'm still me. And by the way, nobody has no brain waves. No brain waves equals dead. Every living human has brain waves of some kind and at, at some degree. And so when they come and say, you know, he has no brain waves, that's not accurate. They're just saying, you know what, we want to no longer sustain the human because we think he is no longer a person. And so as we, as we talk about, you know, I have to live out this realized potential through my body. I'm wondering if that hasn't creeped into the church in just a little way. It might have creeped into the church. In this way, I am a spirit and a soul. But you know what? My body isn't important at all. And I wonder if this two-tiered, you're a human, but you're not a person. You know, by the way, this, this is terrible. This is why you killed, they killed Jews in, in, in Germany. Because Jews were human, but they weren't considered persons. So kill everyone you see because they're not a person. I'll never forget this moment, walking through Frankfurt as we launch our special needs ministry in October. I'm walking through the, the street last year with uh, Dave Kuyper, and we come to this school uh, bus. And it's about maybe 20 or 30 feet long, and it's two sides of a school bus. And uh, it's made out of concrete, and you can walk between there, and the kids are playing around it and all this. And, and the guide said, you know what this, you know what this uh, school bus is for? And we said, no, we're just having a fun day in Frankfurt. 
He said, oh, it's because the, the Germans voted that special needs people were human, but they weren't persons. So they packed the school buses full of special needs people, locked the doors, took them out, and torched them. And this school bus is to remind us never again to separate the human from the person. And so when we're here today talking about how to live this out in our lives, I wonder if we say, you know what, uh, how many of you worshiped God today? You sang in worship. Let me hear you say aye. How many of you took communion today? Let me hear you say aye. Now, oh, I'm going to just abuse my body this afternoon. It's like we have this same person-human divide, except in the church between the spirit, soul, and the body. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tackle this this summer. Here, this, I told our team when we were praying, I said, it's going to be heavy, but I want it to be fun. The whole goal of this talk is for you to do something healthy this afternoon. To do something that says, you know what, this body matters. To, to, to do whatever it is that God lays on your heart. Uh, spirit and soul at non-body concept that, that, that maybe flows out of this human but not a person idea. You see, in fact, it's the people that tell us that there's a difference between the human and the person that have a low view of the body. They have a low view of the body. And here's the view of the body in the Bible. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with whom within you, whom you have from God. Nobody has a higher view of the body than Jesus and the Bible. They think we're against the body. But in fact, it is a twisting of what the Bible actually says. The highest view of the body you find in Christianity. And I, I, I'm not a Catholic, but I would like to give a shout out to Catholicism today. Uh, they have a lot of issues like maybe all organized religions do. They have towed the line on the value of human life. And I really, really appreciate that. Uh, if, if, uh, if somebody is fighting for human life, it'll be your Catholic uh, theologians. And I value it very highly. Uh, and, and I, my, my Dutch buddies watching today, I honor the Netherlands. I love the Netherlands. I'd love to live in the Netherlands. But I was in the Netherlands a year ago, and unbelievable this happened. They euthanized a guy because he no longer could handle his alcoholism. In other words, he's human, but alcoholism made him no longer a person. 
And so, and I told I, um, Sebastian, my buddy, he goes, that's not true. He goes, we didn't do that. I sent him the article. He goes, yeah, again, they did their research. It absolutely is true. The world is going that there's a difference between a human and a person. And brothers and sisters, this is not my point of my message. However, let me throw it in. It's just a matter of time before Christianity makes you no longer a person. It's coming. You can see it coming. And uh, uh, all right. I'm trying to get you to exercise, and we're talking about uh, Jews getting killed in the Holocaust, but this is the foundation of it. And so when we start our special needs ministry, we have, uh, we have a large number of special needs people at MCA already. It's a delight. It's one of the funnest parts of our church. We're hoping for more special needs people to attend and find that they're not only human at the church level, they are valued persons at the church level. That's why I want you to say, hey, I like your body. How many of you, now don't vote, how many of you don't like your body? Well, mostly yours works pretty good. What if you're born and yours doesn't work very well? What if you were born and, and you have different capacities or what would they call it? Maybe differently abled uh, people. You have a different ability. Now, you are a, you are a wonderful person. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's your body, and we love that body. Nice body you have there. It's the one you have. Take care of it. Disciple it. Paul says, uh, let's read together. Oh, let me do my notes because a lot of you will ask me and I'll not have enough time. Christ requires me to embrace, honor, and discipline my body. Embrace, honor, and discipline my body. I want to encourage all of you, this anti-body thing of like body modification, this, this thing where you hurt your body, this thing where you're mean to your body. I don't know anything about this world. I Googled it just because I wanted to learn a little bit about it. Uh, what's that movie, uh, which I, I don't see movies, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, something about that. It is about some kind of weird pleasure through being mean to your body, BDSM they call it. And, uh, and there is a whole move to take everything beautiful before God and defile up in your body. Because when you defile your body, you defile the God in whose image your body was made. And you're just a pawn in the world scheme. Hurt your body. Be mean to your body. Mistreat your body. God likes your body. He created it. That's a good place to say amen. I know you're not like, well, he may like it, but I don't. I don't have time to do this today, but let me throw it in really fast because I'm out of time. And uh, in Deuteronomy, it says this. Uh, if you have a rebellious son who does not do what the father wants, a rebellious son who does not value what the father values. And I was thinking about that. And I think I'm guilty sometimes because my father likes this body. He created it for me in advance. In your life groups this week, you're going to pick up at what point in Psalm 139 did David become a person? Hint, hint, Jeremiah 1, before I formed you. I knew you. You were a person before you were formed, according to the scripture. But anyways, okay, God, I'll embrace honor and discipline this body. Now, righteousness and wickedness require a body. Righteousness, wickedness require a body. 
I, I didn't get that. I, I wanted to bring a box and say, I have a box of righteousness and open it up. It's empty because you can't put righteousness in a box. It needs a body. Okay, here's a pound of wickedness. You can't have a pound of wickedness because wickedness needs a body. And so another way of saying it, there is no disembodied righteousness or wickedness. There's no disembodied righteousness or wickedness. When I was a teenager struggling with all the internal urges of teenage male, I went to Romans 6 over and over again. Therefore, he says, do not present the members of your bodies for unrighteousness. So you say, you know what? I think I'm unrighteous. Well, just don't give your body to it and you will be righteous. You can't, you, there's no wickedness outside of your body. There's not like, hey, look over there. There's wickedness on the, on the stage. No, wickedness requires a body. And so when we say with the apostle Paul, uh, I'm going to, uh, interact properly with my body. It's okay. Here's these, uh, let's do it. I do this all the time when I was in high school. These hands, everybody hold up your hands are for righteousness. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything evil with these hands because this body is a righteous body. And so one day I was at the store at uh, Barnes and Noble or whatever, uh, Borders Books or everyone down there, and I was going to reach out and get a magazine, and there was a, uh, right next to the one I was going after, which was a fitness magazine, there was a sinful magazine, and I bumped up against it, and the Lord said to me, didn't I say, touch not the unclean thing? And my, I wasn't, I had a little argument with God in front of the magazines there. I said, God, it was an accidental touch. He said, uh, I know it was accidental, but it still happened. You want to be righteous? Don't do any wickedness. It's pretty simple. Well, I just, I won't do that. And then you'll be righteous. And at least you'll be neutral. Righteousness is an action as well. And so uh, when we're thinking about this way to honor God with your body, uh, for me, uh, I have labeled for me. Again, please, I'm not talking to you about what God's going to say to you. Uh, but for me, God has said, Kent, this is a season of your life. I don't want you to dabble in sugar. And so I've labeled it an unclean thing. And so uh, how hard is that? It's not that hard. Oh, I don't touch that. Can you, just for illustration, could you see me, my, 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 my favorite food on the planet? It has a lot of good ingredients in it. It's cookie dough and uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. Can you imagine me just holding it and going, you know, look at that. I'm not eating you right now. Don't touch the unclean thing. Yeah, I'm at the bar and I have a glass of alcohol, but I'm not going to drink it. You know, don't even touch it. Touch not the unclean thing. And, uh, and so as we, as we deal with this, uh, we look at Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians 5. I read the kind of the clincher of that. It says, God wants to sanctify your body. But look at the stuff that happens in the body before that verse. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Respect is something that happens in your body. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Esteem happens in your body. But be at peace among yourself. Peace is in your body. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, I-D-L-E, the inactive. The inactive inactivity is in your body. Encourage the faint-hearted. Faint-heartedness is in the body. Help the weak. 
were weak in the body. Be patient with them all. Well, we're patient or impatient in the body. See that no one repays evil for evil. How do we repay evil for evil? Through our bodies. But always seek to do good to one another. And how do we do good to one another? Through our bodies. Verse 16, rejoice always. Where do we rejoice? We rejoice in our bodies. Pray without ceasing. Where do we pray? We pray in our bodies. Give thanks in all circumstances. What has circumstances? The body. Where do we give thanks? In the body. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit in your body. Do not despise prophecies. That happens in your body. Test everything. That happens in your body. Hold fast to what is good. Happens in your body. Abstain from every form of evil. That happens in your body. Get it? There's a lot of stuff he wants to not happen in your body and he wants to have happen in your body. Now may the God of peace. Isn't that cool? It's like, man, there's a lot of stuff in this body has to go through. Yeah, so let's wrap it up, he says. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely in your body. Praise the Lord. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Read that last line with me. It's in the box, the last uh, five words. He will surely do it. Say it again. He will surely do it. My body will be completely sanctified. God will surely do it. Praise the Lord. Your fullest potential in Christ includes growing and maintaining bodily discipline and control. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, the favorite passage in the Bible. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? That's one race. But there's another race, and it's where we all can win. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises. Say that with me. Every athlete exercises. Are you an athlete? Yeah, you're a human athlete. Every human athlete exercises self-control in all things. The athletes, they do it to win a perishable wreath. Do any of you all remember, any of you old enough to remember when Michael Jordan won his first national championship and he held that trophy about that big and he kissed it and he wept? Do you know how many billions of dollars are spent every year for that trophy? <laughs> He didn't win hardly any extra money. He didn't, no, he wanted, the, he wanted the trophy. And he weeps like a kid getting the trophy. Paul's going, that's pretty cool. But that trophy's nothing compared to the imperishable trophy that God has for the Christian race. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not live in the body. I do not run aimlessly. I am not a pugilist, that's the word in Greek. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. Say it with me. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Interesting. In almost a shocking revelation, Paul states that a lack of personal bodily discipline and control can disqualify me 
from the imperishable prize. That's a heavy sentence. A lack of personal bodily discipline and control can disqualify Kent from the imperishable prize. I'm not going to hold a trophy and kiss it and weep. I hope to fall at Jesus' feet and hug the one who gave his life for me. That's the imperishable prize I want. And how I live in the body can disqualify me. Even after we have not been disqualified, we will be judged. So I'm not, I hopefully will not disqualify myself by lack of discipline and control in my body. I hope that that's not a problem. However, I still will be judged according to the deeds I have done in my body. It says in Corinthians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So this body that you see is going to change. I'll have a resurrection body. But you'll recognize me. I don't know much about the resurrection body, but I will be Kent, and I will look quite similar to this. Hopefully redeemed, you know, uh, hopefully more handsome. But uh, I will be Kent. You're not going to be in heaven. And that's why the resurrection is so important. You will not be in eternal life and go, hey, nice spirit you have there. You won't see a spirit in heaven like you don't see a spirit here. You're going to say, hey, that's my mom. Look at mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Why? Because you know her body. So this body will stand before Christ. And I will receive what is due for what I have done in my body whether good or evil. So we're asking God. It's June 2nd. Is it summer starting pretty soon? I forgot what the first, first day of summer is. Right? We're asking God to give us discipline and control this summer with our bodies. Do something with your body. Go hiking. Go climbing. Go parasailing. Get out of the chair. I don't know what it is that you want to do. May we make this a season of personal bodily discipline and control as we pursue our fullest potential in Christ. Because our fullest potential happens through our bodies. All in favor of having an active summer, say aye. All right. So... To kick off the summer, active summer, we have a song with motions. Ha <laughs> ha! Your favorite thing in the planet, I know. Let's all stand as we close. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. Come on now! Your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. You have turned hey, nobody turn. Morning into dancing oh, You have turned My sorrow into joy Alright, you're acting like, you know You're a spirit, but not a body Get your body into it Even like clap your finger or something Just... Your life broke through my eye Restored exceeding joy. Your grace, your grace fell like the rain and made this desert fill. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow.
This is how we overcome You've turned My morning into dancing You have turned oh, My song 